0: There are two readings this morning and the first one is Psalm 65 Psalm 65 praise awaits you O God in Zion to you our vows will be fulfilled O you who hear prayer to you all men will come when we were overwhelmed by sins you forgave our transgressions blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts we are filled with the good things of your house of your holy temple you answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness O God our Savior the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas who formed the mountains by your power having armed yourself with strength who stilled the roaring of the seas and the roaring of their waves and the turmoil of the nations. Those living far away fear your wonders, where the morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water and provide the people with corn, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with corn. They shout for joy and sing. And the second reason reading is taken from Luke 12, starting to read at verse 16. And he told them this parable The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store all my grain and my goods and I'll say to myself you have plenty of good things laid up for many years take life easy eat drink and be merry but God said to him you fool this very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God then Jesus said to his disciples therefore I tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or about your body what you will wear life is more than food and the body is more than clothes consider the ravens they do not sow or reap they have no storeroom or barn yet god feeds them and how much more valuable you are than birds who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life since you cannot do this very little thing why do you worry about the rest consider how the lilies grow they do not labor or spin Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O oh you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things and your Father knows that you need them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Let us pray. Lord God, give us open eyes and open ears, open hearts and open minds to hear from your word today. Amen. It's very good to be with you. It's good to be with those of you who are here in the building and it's good to be with those of you who are online. And I'm delighted to be taking up this new role of prior of the community of St. Cuthbert, but that's not what I'm here to talk about today. More on that to follow. In our Harvest Thanksgiving gospel reading from Luke 12, Jesus addresses the topic of stuff, having stuff and getting stuff. To be a bit more technical, he talks about where stuff comes from and how we should think about it. On other occasions and in different contexts, Jesus will have important things to say to those who have nothing. But that's not who he is talking to here He's addressing people Who have Stuff So if you are one of those people Which you probably are If you're watching this service Via a device that can connect With the internet Then listen up Also a spoiler Where Jesus Is going with this is Do not worry So that's listen up, and do not worry. How to do both these things at the same time is the tricky bit. So let's see how Jesus handles it. First, a bit of context from just before where our reading starts. A man says to Jesus, get my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. In Luke's gospel, Jesus seems to be frequently bumping into people who are arguing about sharing out inheritances. Some go off to be prodigal sons. Some are trying to wangle an inheritance by killing the owner of a vineyard. When it comes to family, in Luke's gospel, where there's money, there's trouble. Actually, it's not just family. It's pretty much everywhere. So, Jesus says immediately before the parable that started our passage today, watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Or, a bit more colloquially, all that stuff you have won't bring you life. Cue the parable. Once upon a time, there was a well-off business person I think in Luke's view, it would definitely have been a man for various reasons But that's not today's issue In the wonderful language of the King James Version His ground brought forth plentifully It's important to notice that it's his ground or his land that was productive for which he can basically take no credit at all because the ground or the land was God's achievement and not his. I do wonder how many rich people are rich not because of what they achieve but because of the structures within which they operate. But anyway, he can't store all his newly produced stuff, So he decides to tear down his warehouse and build a bigger one, out by the A1 near the Beauburn services, where he can store not just his new stuff, but all his old stuff, too. Sadly, he has no one to show this achievement off to, so he talks to himself instead. I think I've done enough, he says, so I'll put my feet up and eat and drink And be merry. Well, I actually don't believe him. I'm inclined to think that next year, when the harvests and the dividends come round again, he's more likely, more than likely, to be worrying about needing an even bigger warehouse. But that's not where Jesus goes with this story. Instead, God speaks. Apparently, this is the only time that God ever speaks as a character. In a parable in the New Testament I don't know whether that's significant particularly But God doesn't seem to have done the course In how to break bad news gently So God just says You fool Your life will be demanded of you tonight And then who gets all your stuff? Not very hidden subtext Not you Well, says Jesus, that's what happens if you look out for yourself but are not rich towards God. Let me explore that strange idea of being rich towards God for a moment. The savings bank of heaven, as Jesus understands it, and indeed as most of God's people in Jesus' time understood it, has some odd terms and conditions. Really odd. As in, gospel-shaped odd. Basically, the more you give away, the more your bank of heaven account goes up. While the more you look out for number one, whether by spending a lot on yourself or refusing to love and forgive other people, the more you run your heavenly account down. This imagery even underlies the Lord's Prayer where we pray, forgive us our debts or our sins or our trespasses as we forgive those who are indebted to us because forgiveness is one example of what it means to be rich towards God. Whereas if we do not forgive, then our debts, as it were, mount up. We'll end up with big barns, but nothing left in the account when we meet with God. Now, this can sound worrying, And it can also be heard the wrong way So let me spell it out Or rather, let me let Jesus spell it out As our passage continues with Jesus saying Therefore I tell you, do not worry First, remember that this is addressed to people who have stuff Not to people who have nothing There are situations in life where it is appropriate to worry. and I'll come in a minute to whether we are living through such a situation right now. But they're not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the worry that's about wondering whether you've quite managed to get enough yet. Life worries about food and body and clothing. This is like worrying about how to add even one hour to your lifespan, which, says Jesus, is of no use whatsoever. For some reason, I always misremember this passage as saying that you cannot, by worrying, add a single hair to your head. But maybe that just reveals what I personally spend my time worrying about. At least three times, Jesus tells us, with regard to this kind of worrying, don't do it. And second, remember that the stuff that the man in the parable owned came from his field or land. And so it really came from God anyway. And it was not his to be a proud owner of in the first place. So the point of Jesus' parable is not that we should learn to be generous and give stuff away so that we impress God and earn credit in heaven, because that's still basically a view that's all about us and what we have achieved. The parable goes deeper. Well, perhaps the parable really is simpler, to recognize that everything comes from God and that all that we have is God's gift entrusted to us for a while well that releases us from the impossible burden of trying to take responsibility for it all and to make everything work out and that I think is why we read this parable and it's accompanying exhortation not to worry as we celebrate harvest Because down through the centuries, the church has recognized that to celebrate harvest with thanksgiving, which is, after all, a practice that goes right back to its roots in the Old Testament, it's to get right our attitude to stuff, to possessions, to all that we have, or in Jesus' words here, to what we eat or our body or what we wear. Now I am well placed to appreciate the irony of standing here today in a city center church in a modern industrialized economy and saying let us celebrate the harvest festival with thanksgiving. I was born and grew up in London. So I just knew that baked beans grew in tins. That meat came in packets and that the natural habitat of peas before you eat them is, of course, the freezer. And as a good schoolboy each year, I would take my tin of sweet corn along to the harvest service, stand to sing We Plough the Fields and Scatter, and walk home through concrete streets and urban sprawl completely mystified as to what any of this really signified because surely whether there were enough Mars bars in the world had nothing to do with pictures of tractors harvesting wheat, which I could not relate to anything in my experience at all. I do not think I'm that untypical even today in the week when it was announced that the bread in Subways is so full of sugar and so devoid of wheat, that it actually does not count as bread at all. No wonder we city dwellers are so confused. Well, my wife grew up on a farm. And when we got married, we had a full and frank conversation on this, as on many matters. And as a result, I can now confirm to you that beans do not grow in tins and that cake is not one of the five basic food groups. And that despite all appearances to the contrary, whenever you walk into Tesco's or Sainsbury's, or for the benefit of any southerners watching online, Waitrose, that our claim as the people of God here today and down through the ages is that we have food to eat because God sends sun and rain on the fields that are God's to begin with, to nurture the life-giving seeds and all the plants with fruit in them that were installed right back in Genesis 1, if we read it carefully, and that humankind only manages to live on this planet because God is the giver of life. And that that is what a harvest festival celebrates every year. The Creator God, who is always creating the life-giving God, who is always giving life. The God who, when we are confused about how to manage our way through our own technologically advanced but ensnaring world, surrounded by projects to build even bigger barns, casts around for an example to bring the point home to us and says, well, consider the lilies. Look, a flower, more beautiful in its way than Solomon in all his glory. So what really are you worrying about? In normal times, if you can remember those, that would be the end of the sermon because that's the end of the passage. But let us acknowledge that the COVID pandemic has certainly given us things to worry about. And it would be inappropriate to say simply that there is never any cause for alarm. So recalling that Jesus was not addressing a situation of worldwide health risk, but was talking to people who were squabbling over inheritance and to barn builders and to big investors, As he casts his eye to the city of Durham in late 2020, would Jesus still be saying, do not worry? Of course, it depends on what we're worrying about. News is full of people worrying, isn't it? About the inconvenience of quarantine after an international holiday or about who will win the American election, and so forth. And indeed, one simple way to reduce worry is not to follow the news too closely. But I am struck in this context by the final line in our Gospel reading today. As Jesus adds, almost it seems as an afterthought to his point about worrying. For it is the nations of the world who run after these things. Indeed, our translation said the pagan world runs after all such things, in contrast to us, to God's people then and now, for whom Jesus' word follows, effectively saying, your father knows what you need. In our time of massive social worrying on all levels, Can we be marked out as a people who see things differently? We continue to engage with the hard reality of a world in which evil has its day, on personal, national, and even worldwide levels. And we are not immune to being people who suffer and struggle. Neither are we promised that life always wins over death today or tomorrow, which is, let it be said, a tragedy. Yet we are a people who are promised exactly that in the end, that life will win over death, that God knows our struggles and God knows what we need, and that even today, in the midst of all this, we do not need bigger barns or a larger share of the family inheritance. The kingdom of heaven is not like a man who read the signs of the times and bought all the toilet rolls in town and then had no space to move in his house. Rather the kingdom of heaven is like what a harvest thanksgiving service celebrates Sharing with our neighbor in need Precisely because Even in the middle of a pandemic We have taken to heart This word of Jesus Do not keep worrying For life is more than food And the body is more than clothing Consider the ravens Consider the lilies Consider most of all this word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we worry easily. Lift our eyes to you. Lord, we forget easily. Remind us that this is your world this harvest time and every day fill us with thanksgiving. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham Podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.